You are listening to This is Oklahoma, hosted by Mike Hearn, telling stories of Oklahomans and those that have made it their home. Before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you a little bit about our current sponsors, uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame. As you well know, if you've been following This is Oklahoma, they've been a huge part of this podcast. So this podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling an Oklahoma story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at Oklahoma HOF. Also for the podcast, a new sponsor, RCB Bank. Since 1936, RCB Bank has offered progressive products and a friendly service. Come in today to find out more about their loan promotion on new used refinance cars, boats, campers, and ATVs. Visit RCB Bank to learn more. RCB Bank, that's my bank. With approved credit, restrictions apply. Now, let's get into today's episode. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of This is Oklahoma. Mike and your host. Back with another episode down at the Bedford studio today with Garrett Mills to talk about, I guess, some football and then and some rib crib as well, right? A little bit of both. A little bit of both. Uh, thanks for coming down. Really appreciate you making the journey. I know, obviously, you probably got some busy stuff hanging you know, to take care of today, and I'm glad we could make this happen and fit it into your schedule. But I guess before we talk about what you're currently doing, um, doing a bit of research, uh, I mean, born and raised in Oklahoma? Yep. Yeah. yeah, Tulsa went Tulsa. to Jinx. Okay, Jinx, uh, K through twelve. So high school football was like, oh yeah, big time. Yeah, right? you, you've learned that since moving here. I That's guess. one of the <laughs> things I've learned. Yeah, is that like there's a powerhouse up in that kind of part of Oklahoma that takes care of football every year. Yeah, right? there's yeah. a couple. Is it Jenks and then Union? And I had a buddy of mine who went to Union, so he yep. was telling me all about it. So those are the two big ones. Yeah, you know, when it comes to football, uh, you know. I, the east side of the state has tended to dominate, and I was fortunate to be a part of that. Yeah, uh, both as a kid, you know, growing up in that culture, and mm-hmm. then obviously getting to high school and being a part of those programs, um, it certainly has shaped who I am today. But yeah. um, obviously, good memories, good good friendships, good camaraderie, you know, all the great things that come with team sports and winning. Yeah. Uh, came together you know at jinx uh, as it mm-hmm. relates to football yeah it's one of the things when I, I meet kids and ask them you know what they did or when they grow up i'm like they never played any team sports growing up I'm like and i played golf so I, I mean it was team to an to an extent but it's still an individual sport and i kind of do sometimes miss like that team atmosphere right you're in the locker room you've just had a great win or you're fighting you're coming from halftime and you're down and you, you know it's just it's a bond that you just can't really replicate isn't it no i think no question you know now that i have kids in team sports mm-hmm. you know seeing them uh, develop seeing them high five seeing them win and lose together you know all those memories that i had as both as a kid and then obviously fortunate enough to do that as a profession mm-hmm. you know being a part of a team specifically in sports um you know, it's just hard to replicate in any other environment. You know, yeah. we try to in business, right. uh, but there's something about sports in terms of the work required, mm-hmm. you know, the, the physical um, kind of exertion that it takes uh, to compete. And then, um, again, winning and losing as a team, uh, it, it's hard to replicate right. that. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so growing up, in, you know, in and around Jenks area, you go to high school, um, brothers and sisters, or are you on yep. the top? No, I'm third of four, four okay. siblings in the family. So you weren't really forgotten about because you're not the middle child, <laughs> but you were somewhat in the, I guess, somewhat forgotten That's right. about, right? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the time your parents had you, like, oh, no, we know how to do this. Yeah. Now you can take care of yourself. Well, my dad played college football, and I was the oldest son. Uh, mm. So I have two older sisters and a little brother. So, um, 
you know, I, I think my other siblings would argue I definitely was not forgotten about. Good. Yeah. Um, but that's just how it goes. I yeah. Guess. So dad's in the football scene, I guess you go into practice, going to watching him and then just watching games as well with him on the weekend. And like it, that was your yeah. childhood. Yeah. He played at the university of Tulsa. He was from uh, Arizona originally and, and came over to Oklahoma to, uh, to play. That's obviously what brought our family mm-hmm. here before, before I was part of the family and, and um, he played it to you. So, you know, growing up, you know, he obviously encouraged us in sports and, yeah, and football yeah. was a part of my childhood. And then, uh, you know, obviously when, when the university of Tulsa offered me a scholarship, it was just, it was, it was an incredible yeah. Um, thing because that's where both my parents went. Right. So it yeah. was an easy decision. Close to home, easy, you know, n- no brainer, right? For mom and yeah. dad, they're like, hey, this yeah. is awesome because, you know, if your mom, I mean, the same situation that I kind of had when I was moving out here, my mom was like, do you really want to go? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure she would have really appreciated the fact that I'd stayed, but now she gets to visit and she's happy to visit whenever. Um, so I guess when you're in high school, you, you, you're on the football team. Uh, are you playing a bunch of different positions or you kind of narrowed into one at that time? No, I, I played offense and defense um, at Jinx. I actually got recruited both as a linebacker um, and as tight end. You mm-hmm. know, I ended up choosing tight end. Uh, that's what TU recruited me as. Um, but yeah, I was fortunate to play to play multiple positions. But you know, again, we were it was a stacked team. Yeah, uh, we yeah. had a lot of good athletes. You know, guys that signed with OU, Texas, OSU my senior year. Um, so I actually wasn't heavily recruited myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue I was maybe the fifth best player on my team in high school. Um, so, you know, again, we, we had a very successful team, successful yeah, program, yeah. Uh, fun to be a part of. Yeah. Uh, when you're in high school, are you thinking this is going to be my profession? Like, are you uh, like 15, 16, no. 17, you know? No, not at all. Um, you know, obviously maybe, maybe it's cause I didn't have long, long-term goals. Uh, but you know, in high school it was just, Hey, I'd love to compete at college in college at the okay. college level if I yeah. could. And so the goal was to, to kind of get a scholarship to play in college. And then, you know, you arrive at TU, you know, me personally, I didn't arrive at TU saying, all right, I'll do, I'll do four years of this and then gotcha. play in the NFL. Um, you know, again, maybe it was my own short sightedness, but you know, the, the road to the NFL just kind of developed year after year. And, um, you know, obviously the, the the passion for the sport just grew yeah, and grew, yeah. and, and obviously came with some success on the field. Um, but it really it really took time, uh, you know, full four years to kind mm-hmm. of look up and go, well, wait a minute, maybe I could do this yeah. do this after college. So when you go into college, then you're thinking, I'm going to get a degree and I'm going to go into whatever business, whatever. Yeah, yeah. and you just yeah. kind of probably the same as I was when I came to college, just like, ah, oh, we'll just figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I think naturally as a student athlete, you know. This, the the athlete portion is such an important part. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it takes up a lot of your life, takes up a lot of your time. Yeah. You know, you're committed to it. You know, we talked about the the team aspects. So you're committed to your team, um, but but you know, you kind of you kind of sports is the means of, of do, being in college and, sure. and going to school. You don't you know, I didn't necessarily you know go thinking I'm developing myself athletically gotcha. to to go to play beyond college. It was more. You know, I play sports while I'm in college, but yeah. I'm in college figuring out what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Um, and it just so happened I had the option or, or the the uh, had the good fortune of being able to play after yeah. after uh, college as, as almost a, a side benefit of, of just my work during college. Right. Yeah. So was there, I guess, a kind of moment that while you were in TU, you're like oh, hang on, I could actually do this, right? If you don't go in and you're yeah. thinking, I'm going to go to the league or I'm not going you know, to do this as a profession, you're, you're kind of like looking for ideas and what are my interests, what do I want to do, do I do a business degree, whatever. There must be like a light bulb moment. You're like, hang on a second, I'm like, I'm good enough to do this. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, uh, 
even though I was all conference my sophomore year, my, my junior year as well, and, and I still, for some reason, you know, I was undersized. I don't know if that had something to do with it. Obviously, we were, I was at a small Division One school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember going into my senior year, you know, my coach, my tight ends coach kind of sat me down and he was like, listen, if, 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 you work at this thing, you know, I think you can be an All-American. I think you can you can play after college. And, and I think that was kind of a light bulb moment where I was like, oh, wait, wait a minute. Um, in fact, you know, I haven't really told this story, but after a game my junior year, uh, I think we were playing Rice at home. And I remember after the game, you know, the coach, one of the coaches from the opposing team came up to me and he was like, hey, I hope you... I hope you leave school early so we don't have to face you next year. And I'm thinking to myself, what is this guy talking about? Yeah. Like, leave school early. You know, I, again, I didn't really have NFL on my radar, yet he's kind of sitting there thinking I have, I may have the opportunity to, to leave early. Obviously, I didn't yeah. choose to leave early. But the fact that he said that to me uh, certainly opened my eyes to kind of say, well, wait a minute, maybe maybe this can become bigger than just right. four years at TU. And you've got outside people coming in that have never met you before that are like, Hang on, you you you're really good at this, right? Like you got a chance. Like that gave you self belief and more realization, rather than family's always going to tell you you're doing a great job, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, having outside factors coming in and saying, "Wow!" Like so that puts it on your radar, and you you start taking, you know, you probably think I'm going to really work a little harder and spend more time in the gym, be the first one there, last one to leave kind of thing. And you start really investing in it. Yeah. I think in many ways, success kind of begets success, meaning it's motivational to continue to, Mm -hmm. to achieve more. Um, and I think me personally, that, that played a role. Um, and then obviously winning games my senior year as a team, we won the conference championship and and it just was a, was a culmination of, of a lot uh, leading up to my senior year, both individually and as a team um, that really, really was the result of of just hard work and determination again, as a team um, that, that led to success. Yeah. So, so I guess you get to like about to graduate or leading up to graduation, you know, you're thinking, Hey, this is possible. Like, how does that work to go like your agents coming to you? Like, what is that scene like in the years that you were doing it? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, as you kind of finish up or during your senior year, as you finish up your senior year, you start to get interest from from agents. But, you know, agents are going to tell you what you want to hear because they're, they're hoping to be hired. Yeah. Um, so you kind of learn, OK, I'm not just going to listen to what the agent says. Um, so I'm going to kind of just continue to develop in, in my my spring the spring after my senior year spring after my senior season i went to nashville and trained and got invited to the senior bowl invited to the combine and you know looking back it was just kind of a blur because it was just one thing after the other and you just kind of put your head down knowing all right i'm gonna give it my all each day and then look up at the draft which was i think in april um and see what happens and so you know sure enough just kind of put my head down through that spring went through the different steps you know Post senior season, yeah. pre pre draft, uh, specifically the, the senior bowl and the, and the combine, and then you know sure enough, uh, 2006 draft fourth round get drafted by the New England Patriots. Yeah, that's like wow, right? Yeah, <laughs> look back, it was like, wow. we're here. Whoa, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. yeah, what's the combine like? Are we going there? You like? I mean, I know you've prepared this entire. You're, I guess some people have prepared their entire lives to get there, and you get there, and you're like wow, I mean, I kind of have one shot to show everyone what I can really do. Yeah, I mean, in, in the moment, obviously, it's, it's a huge honor to be able to go. Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's a huge honor to be amongst, you know, the best in college football that year. It's a huge honor to kind of just see where you stack up yeah. in terms of, of the 40, in terms of bench press. You know, it's kind of it, for a competitor, which obviously everyone there is, it, it's kind of a really cool moment where yeah. you're like, all right, let's, you know, it's not football, but it's but it's obviously kind of athleticism and all these important uh, important yeah. marks that, you know, you're, you're trying to, to achieve. You know, so in the moment, that's what you felt. Looking back, you sit there and you go, man, NFL's a business. You know, <laughs> like it, literally you line up in your underwear, you know, or in boxer yeah. briefs and you, and you walk across the stage and you stand there with nothing but, but boxers right. on posing and you, you know looking back it's like man you're just like a you're just like a you're a number a, a at cow, that point right you're just yeah. yeah you're just like a you know is this person an asset for us what are they worth to us yeah um and and so as, as i reflect back on that time you just it, it really it, something you miss in the moment because you're in the moment but as you reflect it was kind mm. of the first signal that i got where you go okay you know nfl is clearly a business yeah. you, you know it, it's what can you do for these these coaches and, and these teams? Um, and it's just a you know, they're there to assess you. Yeah, where are you when you get that phone call to be drafted? Uh, I was with my family. We were watching the draft on TV. Yeah, um, it was you know the, at the time there was two days of, of the draft. I think rounds one through three were on the first day, four through seven were on the second day. So we watched the first day, even though I wasn't it wasn't likely I was going right. to go on the, on the first day. So early Sunday morning is day two, and I'm, I'm with some family and friends at my house. You know, I would say it was an informal party, uh, just a gathering to kind of see what happened. And and sure enough, early in the in the morning or early in the draft, I think is I don't know 10 a.m. or so. Um, you know, my phone rings, and obviously, yeah. you know, it, it wasn't totally unexpected. But you're not exactly. You know, like, watching your phone for wow, four hours. Like, yeah, either. yeah, it's actually ringing. Yeah. yeah, so it rings, and you're kind of then your you know your nature is to look up at the screen and go, okay, who's who's picking? Who is this going to be on the other end of yeah. the phone? And and I don't remember if the the Patriots were on the screen yet, but obviously because there's know, a little delay, a little right? delay, yeah. and then and then obviously when when you do answer, um, you know, find out it's the Patriots, and uh, shortly after, you know, your name pops up, and yeah. they, they talk about you. You see your highlights, and it's crazy, isn't it? You know, you. you give hugs you cheer and right. you know it's kind of a cool moment especially to be able to spend it at my you know my parents home and with mm -hmm. with friends uh to kind of be in that moment was cool yeah dad was there with you as well yep yeah yeah that must be so cool like yeah just you know just to have those moments i mean you know i fortunate my dad was you know we played a lot of golf together and around through tournaments and and i kind of you know just having him there was special right yeah. cool and mum too but i mean you get that phone call that is it's, that's when the show starts, isn't it? That's when you yeah. really have to get to work. Well, it, it's yeah, exactly. It's it's a life changing event. It, it's both it's both celebratory because it's it's kind of the payoff to what you've done, but right. at the same time, it's like all right, now it's time to you've go. You've been given the opportunity. Yeah. Now yeah. you need now to you prove go yourself. Work. And yeah. Work. And, yeah, and so you know, I my dad and I shared a hug that day that I'll never forget. And you know, my my wife girlfriend at the time was in the room, so to be yeah. able to share that that kind of life moment with her, uh, that she was a part of that. You know, now now we're married and have kids uh, was special for me too. Yeah. Looking back, who were you a fan of, uh, like NFL teams growing up? Growing up, it was the 49ers. Okay. Um, I was a big Steve Young, Jerry Rice fan. Um, you know, it was most people around Oklahoma were Cowboys fans. Mm -hmm. You know, and if at the time the 49ers and the Cowboys were kind of rivals, but uh, I, I just I leaned toward the 49ers, and as a result, you know, kind of had a disdain for the the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I will say once you get to the NFL, though, it's kind of 
all allegiance are, are thrown out the window. Right. Yeah. You, you're, I mean, you're there to do a job, aren't you? Doesn't yeah. Matter. yeah. You know, you know, even if you're a lifelong fan of a player, you're probably, you know, facing them up, facing up against them in a year or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Field. Yeah. So I guess you get drafted and you head up to New England. It's a miserable freezing cold. Uh, it was it May. Yeah, it was May. So, so uh, it, the summer was about to start. Um, so I don't remember it being cold yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember it was just a. It, frankly, it was just a very uncomfortable feeling. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I'd lived in Tulsa my whole life, literally right. uh, through college, and so you know, one to kind of to 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 leave the nest, so to speak, and be out on my own was was part of the experience. But you know, you're walking into, you know, a, a you know, arguably a very successful uh, football franchise, you know, just a, just a, you walk into a room with Tom Brady, you walk into a room with, with Bill Belichick and you're wide eyed. Yeah. Um, and, and it just it was kind of a blur because you're just kind of going, man, what is going on around me? And you're taking it all in. And meanwhile, trying to compete, you know, for a, for a roster spot right. um, as well. So what was the jump, I guess, like from like, you know, from being at Tulsa and the program, like how much of a difference is it going to New England from Tulsa with just obviously the facilities are incredibly different, right? But I mean, just everything centered around diet, workouts, like how was that? Well, it, it, I think about what you would expect. You know, okay. it's a, it's a, you've got you've got a roster full of, of teammates, and you got a whole organization uh, totally focused on winning football games, mm-hmm. and so everything is set up around you know whether whether it be the the food that we eat, you know the the workout facilities, like you said, um, you know it, it's just a it, it's just a well oiled machine yeah. that you step into um, day one, and then, and then on the field. Again, just what you would spe- would expect. Everyone's bigger and better mm-hmm. and faster, and the, the playbook's more complicated. And you know, it, it really takes a, a, you know a full attention to a full time job versus you know as a student athlete. It's okay. Sometimes you have to do schoolwork, and then sometimes you you focus on yeah. football. Whereas when you make the jump, it, it's there's football. no schoolwork. It's yeah. you know you're you're both kind of mental and physical work relates around football and, and developing as a football yeah. player, and that's it. Was there anyone, obviously Belichick and Brady, but was there anyone when you walked into the room and you were like, wow, that guy's an absolute man mountain. How does he move so fast? Is there anyone that shocked you like that? Um, or even on the field, I guess, when you were playing? Yeah, I mean, I would say my rookie year, I think just generally everybody. Yeah. <laughs> it's like right. it's like you, you, you see... You line up against Mike Vrabel and you say, okay, yeah, Mike Vrabel's a big guy, but then when he's lined up against you, he just looks like, you know, a monster. And he's, and yeah. he's you know, on paper, he's not the biggest guy on the, on, the, on the field. And then as you, as I went through my career, there are definitely players that you watch that you just go, holy cow, you know, mm-hmm. you know watching Adrian Peterson run the football and just work out physically. I tell the story, we'd be, we'd be running half gassers, which, you know, down and back across yeah. the field and you know, I'd be, I'd be dying. We'd be have to do 16 of them. And I'd look over and Adrian would have a dip in his mouth and just like, you know, Chilling. hardly breathing. And I'm like, <laughs> man, that's just not even, it. you know, another one that comes to mind, you know, Randy, watching Randy Moss play when he came to New England, yeah. just how smooth and fluid and just gifted he was as a, as a player. Mm-hmm. But he was, you know, he's, he's also a big guy, but just, you know, watching him move with ease, um, and then my last year in the league was 2011 uh, with the Patriots again. I came back to New England, 
and watching you know Gronk and Aaron Hernandez play you know tight end yeah. was just eye opening because they were very different players but just so gifted both of them uh, athletically physically you know for their size the way they moved yeah. you know it was just you know those are kind of the, the I'm, I'm sure there's more but but in terms of the moments where I just caught myself, you know, just wide-eyed, yeah. you know, those are the ones that jump out. That's mad, isn't it? Just to be there on the sideline or on the same field, just like, and seeing that in action. I mean, great to see it on TV, but you really get that experience in, you know, when you're on the field and you, you know, you're listening to the hits and you're hearing everything and you're like, I asked, um, I played golf with Derek Anderson once and I asked him, so what was the biggest hit that you ever took? And he's like, some lineman hit me like right in the stern with a helmet, and I was like wincing. And then we, uh, he's like, you know, it was like fourth down, so it didn't matter. And then they turned the ball over, and he's like on the sideline wincing. He's like, got to go back out there. He's yeah. like, I threw it in the dirt three times. <laughs> like I couldn't, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't take it. And he's what six five, you know, yeah. big guy as well. I'm like, yeah, it's not something I want to stand in front of. You know, yeah. someone's running at you the size of a fridge, and you, you know, at speed, and you know, just run you yeah. over. Totally. Yeah, no totally. thanks. Yeah. I remember I, I, we were playing in Chicago, I think it was, and, and Julius Peppers was a defensive end, and he just was a he's just a huge human. And I remember getting a three-point stance, you know, lining up against him, thinking I'm about to block this guy. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> I, I should not be doing this. this is, I'm going to do my best, but this is not a good this idea. This is not healthy. Yeah. yeah. Why did my coaches put me in this situation? Uh, but... Needless to say, I literally hung on for dear life. I think I just grabbed his jersey and, and yeah. held on. Which I mean, that's you did to do a job, right? Yeah. You got to at least try. <laughs> that's what you got to do. So, yeah. like you mentioned, you know, last year was in 2011. From 2006 to 2011, what was I guess any like super standout moments that you look back on and just like I mean, this that was just you know, if I could get to live one one of those days again, what would you go to? I would say on the football field, um, you know, my my third year in the league was kind of my first year where I got to got significant playing mm-hmm. time and our first game was at Lambeau Field in, in Green Bay Monday night football and, and I had you know I think three or four catches that night and it just it really that moment that night just just on the stage that we were you know with, with the me Monday night football at Green Bay um, it was really a culmination of, of the payoff of like mm-hmm. what it took to get to that moment and you know that, that was certainly we lost the game but it, you know Personally, that was a that was a feeling I'll never forget. You know, off the field, I, when I look those, that span of years, I think the thing that stands out to me is is how fortunate I feel being able to kind of jump around the country. Um, it didn't feel fortunate during the time because sure. you know it's kind of a pain to move. Yeah. Uh, but being able to live in Boston and and, and uh, Philadelphia and Minneapolis and. Uh, you know, a short time in Cincinnati, just being able to kind of experience uh, different parts of the com- country, mm-hmm. different people, uh, different ways of doing things, you know, getting out of my comfort zone here right. in Oklahoma. Um, you know, I think that has played a huge role in shaping who I am today. And so, you know, off the field, that's certainly something I'm, I'm fortunate to have experienced is, is just yeah. that ability to do that. Different fandoms as well. I mean, I, yeah. it's... I mean, some for some people it's life and death, right? Like you go to Philly, yeah. sure. I have some friends who live in Philly, and they're like, it's it's football and baseball, and nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah. My, my, I think we had some friends come visit us in Philadelphia, and I was playing at the time, and and uh, the friends asked my wife, "Well, how come you're not wearing anything, you know, with Garrett's name on it?" Yeah. She's like, "Are you kidding me? If if he screws up and the fans find out who I am, I don't want to know what that's going to be like." So, <laughs> right. I wouldn't. You know, want she to was do that. she was undercover yeah. uh, for that reason because, um, you know, th- those are 
they love their they love their teams and, and very passionate and, mm-hmm. and obviously they don't have a uh, they're not hesitant to show how passionate they no, are. They don't hold so, back, do no, they? Uh, they don't hold back. So as all good things have to come to an end, 2011 comes, and I guess that I mean, how does that? Do you retire, or do they say we don't need you anymore? I would say it's it's somewhat mutual. Yeah. You know, my my career wasn't exactly kind of on the trajectory upward, uh, but I did halfway through the year, halfway through the season. In 2011, I was now married and went to my wife and I said, "Hey, you know, I think yeah. this is my sixth year." And I said, "You know, I think I think I'm ready. Uh, let's kind of let's move on after this." And so, um, together, we decided that grad school would be the next first step mm-hmm. um, post football. It's kind of serve as a bridge between uh, football and whatever's next. Right. I didn't know at the time, um, and actually started studying for the GMAT halfway through the year. I'd come home. You know, mm-hmm. after practice and, and study during the, during the evening, and um, so the, there was somewhat of a of a of a my choice to quote unquote sure. retire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, um, you, you were know. being smart and planning, thinking yeah. it's coming. Yeah. I may as well plan. You know, let's figure this out. Right. Um, so when what what when you're in the NFL then, and when you when you you got your season coming on, are you doing like? What other engagements are you getting into outside of football, right? I'm sure people are coming at you like most people do when they see a friend or see someone they know that has money like this. Hey, invest in this, invest in this, right? And every athlete that's had some success at least has that experience. Are you getting into anything like that? Kind of just little business stuff? Like what were your interests off the field? Yeah, so so you're exactly right. I mean, obviously you get pinged to invest in different things. Uh-huh. And, and, the, and then some of them are more active than others. There's right. obviously real estate, which you kind of just put money Fairly away. easy and, to and, do, yeah. yeah. Uh, but then, you know, the one opportunity my wife and I jumped on that we were more proactive in was a, was a fitness franchise. There okay. was, it's called Pure Bar. Uh, we opened it in 2010. There, there are several in Oklahoma yeah, yeah, yeah. now. Uh, at the time, I think we were the 18th franchise. Uh, we brought it to Dallas, which was where our off-season home was. Um, so in 2010, we opened Pure Bar in Dallas. Uh, and, you know, my wife kind of handled the day-to-day. Uh-huh. Uh, I was still playing, so we were back and forth. But, but for me personally, it kind of gave me... Uh, that insight or that, that little glimpse into running a business right. and, and specifically kind of showed me that the entrepreneurial side of business was something that, that I, I kind of mm-hmm. was very interested in and enjoyed. Um, so when I went to grad school, we ended up selling the, the fitness, the, the studio. Um, but again, that, that kind of, even though I was still playing, that kind of glimpse of the business world yeah. uh, was a good kind of a segue or... Uh, maybe pique my interest a little bit in what that could look like, you know, long term as a career. Right. Yeah. And it's, and having a franchise, right, it's a good experience because they've set you up, right? They kind of give you the model, and then they say, right, you know, basically this is it's, it's not foolproof, but you yeah. know, you have a plan, don't you? It's not like, hey, here's a business, go start it on your yeah. own. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of a nice, easy, easier way to start. And I'm sure your wife had a huge passion for fitness as well, right? You don't start a business like that without any without a passion for fitness. And I mean, now we have what, two or three, in o- we have one in Edmond, I think one in Oklahoma yep. City, I'm sure Tulsa yep. probably has one too. Uh, but that's, yeah, it's probably a nice, especially with it being kind of like, probably with your wife taking care of you, it was more of a part-time thing for you, kind of, I guess, With but it's, it's you being proactive, aren't you? You're learning things and when you, you know, when you sell it and you go to grad school, you have that life experience of running a business in a huge market. 
Yeah, I mean, exactly. And going through the process of, of hiring staff, you know, going through the process of reconciling the books and, mm-hmm. and kind of just, again, it, it was kind of a glimpse where it wasn't, it wasn't huge stakes. You know, obviously it was, it was a significant investment for us, but it wasn't huge stakes in terms of scope. And so mm-hmm. you could touch all these different aspects of business, whether it be marketing, whether it be strategy, whether it be yeah. how do you handle, you know, uh, issues that come up with, with staff, you know, how do you handle training? You know, it, there's, it, like you said, it's, it's franchising. So it's not, you're not just on your own figuring everything out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as a small business owner, you do get to touch so many different aspects of business yeah. that then, you know, were, were helpful for me as I kind of uh, transi- transitioned out of football to mm-hmm. figure out what I wanted to do next. Yeah. So grad school then, way, I guess, why did you choose Northwestern for grad school, right? Yeah. Why, why did you yep. choose Northwestern? Well, I mean, it, really, the I didn't know what I wanted to do next, but I knew mm-hmm. kind of we had the option. I wanted the optionality to kind of, uh, go wherever. Okay. And, and so, uh, Northwestern Kellogg school of business was one of the, is one of the top MBA programs in the country. And so I knew, okay, if, if I can get in there, we go spend two years there, then mm-hmm. I'll have options kind of, they have brand value, so to speak, Got you. Yeah. Uh, across the country. The internships that are coming out of that, or the opportunities that are coming out of that are much better yeah. as if we were to go to wherever else yeah. that's not so recognized, yeah. even if you were to come home and go to TU. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so we, we were living in Dallas, and I just kind of assumed I would check the box of an MBA and go to SMU, and, and is a great mm-hmm. school, so I don't mean to, to say it's not, but I but I also just, it was more the easier path to just say, all right, we'll just yeah, go, yeah, to, yeah. go get an MBA at SMU, and then and then we'll go from there. But, but um, when I was playing in New England, England, I actually had a buddy uh, who had come out to Harvard to, to interview. For, he was had doing an MBA, and he was mm-hmm. doing his interviews for, for Harvard, uh, HBS. And uh, he kind of said, because I just kind of assumed, well, all I've done is played football. You know what? Yeah. Th- these programs aren't really going to be interesting to me. There's, there's, that's all I have on my resume. And he kind of is the one that opened my eyes to say, well, you know, with your with your background, they actually would be interested. And, mm-hmm. and so you should kind of, kind of aim higher, so to speak, yeah. and, and, and seek out these, these top programs. And then, you know, sure enough, uh, got accepted to gotcha. uh, Northwestern. And that competitive side of growing up playing football comes out in you in business. Cause you're yeah. like, oh, if I, oh, when someone says, you know, you have to apply, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. I got to work for this now. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah. you know, like, I, I don't want to just be the average person in the class. Like I want to knock it out of the park and be the best one there. Yeah, no question. And, and I happen to, to have a little bit of, of foresight, you know, when I, when in my last year at New England, uh, I was I was released by the team in January before our first playoff game, and before leaving Coach Belichick's office, I actually asked him if he'd write me a recommend mm-hmm. uh, recommendation for for grad school, and, and he he did. And yeah. so, you know, I'd like to think that helped me uh, get into right. get into Northwestern. But but yeah, to your point, I mean, obviously, when you're writing essays, when you're taking the GMAT, you know, those are all those all feel competitive because yeah. those are all factors that that go into you know the assessment of of are you right. good enough to get in. Um, and so, as a as a former athlete, as a competitor um you know i was i was all in on yeah on doing the best i could so i yeah go to northwest and you move you move out there as well yep. um so you're out there for two years you do the grad school and at that point you know with the business from pure bar experience are you thinking i'm going to open up my own or are you like actively looking for other franchises to open thinking i'm having kids we're probably going to move home anyway yeah it, it was it, i kind of went in went in without a specific plan mm-hmm. you know i actually I wrote some some uh, essays saying I wanted to go into finance, some that I wanted to go into consulting. But to your point, uh, you know, married at this point, obviously, as I mentioned, and then and then we welcome our first kid uh, while we're living in Chicago, going to Northwestern. And so, you know, 
when you when you have a wife and a kid, the the risk spectrum changes somewhat, right? Yeah. It, 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 obviously, there's there's time at home that is important to me. There's uh, you know finances that are important to me in terms of what you're willing to risk, and so um, you know that that eliminated some some roads just because of, yeah. of life circumstance. And ultimately ended up uh, going into finance, um, going into wealth management and, and working for Goldman Sachs uh, out of their Dallas office. Again, mm-hmm. went back to Dallas, uh, but fortunate that, that you know, the, the doors are going to Kellogg going and getting my MBA uh, obviously played a role in opening the doors that yeah. led me to Goldman Sachs. There's, uh, so the day that I played golf with Derek Anderson, his real good buddy of his is Bill Swancutt. Bill works at Goldman Sachs. Okay. And I, now I'm just like, and Bill, again, they both played at Oregon together, so they've been buddies for a long time. Yeah. Um, Bill can't play golf to save his life. Derek can play golf. Uh, and Bill's never going to hear this, so I, I'd probably tell to him his face <laughs> if I saw him again. But um, Work on your golf game, Bill. Yeah, he needs to, yeah. But he worked at Goldman Sachs. And I was like, oh, there must be a connection with, like, I mean, when you're in that arena, right, you're in finance and it's yes it's finance at the time but it's also sales and, and you have yeah. to build a relationship and there's nothing better for a company that says hey we have some ex-NFL players they've got some great stories come and you know hang out but they can also do the work too yeah I assume that you and Bill aren't the only ones who went to work for Goldman Sachs well yeah and I think it's it's relationship based it's it's uh, again that competitive mm-hmm. nature that it, that it requires because you're right it's a, it's a sales job and it's actually uh, why I ended up not enjoying it was was because it was kind of primarily yeah. business development and and I got in it hoping it was primarily finance right uh, you know there, there's certainly part of that that's finance but um, no I think you're right I think I think uh, Firms like Goldman are drawn to athletes mm-hmm. uh, for that reason. So, to your point, you know, likely not a coincidence that, yeah. that you play golf with a with a former athlete that works at Goldman. Yeah, he's. I think he just plays golf every day. Yeah. Which I mean, sign me up. Well I done. would be doing that too. Well if I could retire he, and play golf every he's day. He's made it, as they say. He's doing just fine. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, we, how do you get from, I guess, Goldman Sachs to, to Tulsa then? Yeah. So. Um, you know, really, so from, from Dallas, we covered the Tulsa market. We covered mm-hmm. all of Oklahoma. And so, you know, being from Oklahoma, I spent a lot of my time. Got gotcha. uh, Excuse me. Yeah. Um, I spent a lot of my time back in Oklahoma, uh, you know, trying to build my business or, or business development. And, and through that came relationships. And, and also through that, as I mentioned, came uh, my desire to no longer work for Goldman. And mm-hmm. so uh, I, I kind of started the process of, of thinking about how I was going to transition out. Um, I actually uh, spent some time up in Oregon uh, thinking and hoping I was going to end up taking a job with Nike. Yeah. Uh, my wife and I uh, flew up there, spent some time up there, and, and ultimately decided it was just too far from what we consider home. Right. Uh, she's from Dallas. I'm, I'm obviously from Oklahoma. And and so really from there, um, a relationship with the owner and founder of, of Rib Crib is, is what stemmed my move back to, to Tulsa. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I kind of, I'd voiced to him, I was looking to leave and, and he just kind of generically said, well, hey, if you want to come back to Tulsa, if you want to come back home, um, I'll find a spot for you. And, and yeah. you know, it was a risk on his part and it was, it was a risk on my part to say, all right, let's just kind of see where this goes. Yeah. But um, obviously there was excitement in coming back home. There was comfort in knowing uh, what life was like in Tulsa. My wife went to TU, so she she knew what life was like in Tulsa. Yeah. And then, you know, clearly, uh, the people at Rib Crib, which represent really the people of Oklahoma, right. just being good people and, and, a, and a great culture, uh, welcoming, welcoming, warm. You know, everything that's great about Oklahoma yeah. uh, obviously was attractive in terms of, of quote unquote coming back home. Yeah. So so come to Rib Crib, obviously, you know, based in in Tulsa and founded in Tulsa. Um, 
I guess, coming up here with really no idea what you want and what, what they have for you to do, right? You're just kind of like, oh, we'll just figure it out as we go along. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, well, I guess what year was that and how long have you been there for? Yeah, so that was uh, 2017. Okay. So I graduated, uh, I came out of grad school in 2014. Mm-hmm. I spent, spent three years with Goldman and then in 2017 is when I when I moved back to Tulsa. And um, yeah, I mean, it really was a little bit of a of an unknown um, in terms of how I would fit both for me and, and for them. Yeah. So my uh, my first role was was with our new uh, concept uh, that opened in 2018, Society Burger, uh-huh. and basically, you know, came in day one and, and almost on day two they said, hey, we've, we're thinking about doing a burger concept. Why don't you yeah. lead this project? And um, the timing was was extremely fortunate for me because you know I could kind of step aside from the rib crib business, which was uh-huh. obviously our, our our core business. Um, I think we were near. We started in 1992, so we were in year 25 at that point. Yeah. Um, so I lead the lead the project to launch Society Burger um, and really learn the business, the restaurant business from the ground up in terms of mini development, uh, real estate, uh, design, um, you know, all everything that goes into starting a restaurant. Yeah. I was able to to touch and feel, and then uh, once we got Society opened, I, I was named VP of Strategy for the rib crib side for the whole company. And spent some time kind of rethinking how we approach marketing, how we approach uh, operations. And uh-huh. then uh, fast forward another year in May of 2019, uh, Brett, our, our chairman and founder, uh, naming president of the company, um, we've since opened a second society. So so we are a multi-unit, multi-concept yeah. uh, company and, and changed our name to Chandler Hospitality Group. Uh, Brett Chandler, our founder, named after him. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, that's uh, the uh, that's the short version. But and not been in the restaurant industry before this. It never have no, yeah. no. It was uh, you know, I, I tell people, you know, it the restaurant business is is very complex, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it's something we all understand because as diners, right. we know what you're, we know what restaurants are trying to accomplish, yeah. right? I mean, it, that's not to say you know it's certainly a complex business and 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 uh, there's a lot that goes into it, yeah. but it's not a you know a chemical engineering uh, widget making company right. where you need kind of a very technical skill, yeah. Um, you know, it's it's. There's a lot of creative. There's a lot of uh, thought that goes into restaurants. Right. But ultimately, you're trying to create an experience for a diner that makes them want to come back. Yeah. And, and it's kind of that simple. And so, understanding that, even though I didn't have prior restaurant experience, you know, I, I certainly had a, a grasp for what we were trying to trying to accomplish right, as no a company. Doubt. Yeah, so. yeah. And and with your travels, right, and all the different cities you've been to, no doubt you've been into certain concepts that you think oh, I don't like that, but I love this. Let's bring in some a little bit of this. And you pull from those experiences to think, hang on, how can we create, you know, a great diner experience and with great food and, and you, you build that concept, right? That's, yeah, that's the great thing exactly. about travel. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, and so when when they say, hey, we want to start a, start a new burger joint, obviously my head goes to, oh, I've been to, you know, five great burger joints. What yeah. can we draw from those that I think uh, guests in, in Tulsa would mm-hmm. like? And then obviously we... we we built uh, society around that yeah, idea. Yeah, that that must be so much fun. I mean, it's so different, right? To and I'm sure every day was different with coming from Goldman and just that journey that you've had, and uh, you know, you're doing all that kind of stuff at Goldman, and then you come to a restaurant industry and like, oh, 
now I'm building something for like the user experience that I want, right? That I, I think, and others, you know, like you've been a consumer of this for so long. You've always gone to restaurants growing up. And I go, now I get to do, now I get to develop something. That's, I mean, it's more freeing and like, you probably kind of have a lot more creativity on your side rather than what you were doing at Goldman. Yeah, exactly. I, I would describe it as, as fun. You know, yeah. there wasn't a lot that was fun at, at Goldman. I, I think it's a, you know, finance is certainly a necessary evil in a lot of ways, but yeah. I, I wouldn't use the word fun to describe it. Whereas, you know, opening, creating concepts and opening restaurants, coming up with, with menu changes at Rib Crib, coming up with uh, limited time offers, LTOs right. at Rib Crib, you know, doing the R&D, trying things in the kitchen. Yeah. You know, I say that and it's like, well, that'd be fun. It's like, yeah, it, yeah. it is fun. Um, and then and you go and do it and you try it and you figure out, okay, if it works, great. If it doesn't, then we'll try something else. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. There's, there's no, like, I guess the margins aren't massive for error when you're just trying a few things at once, one location. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I was fortunate to walk into a very stable company, you know, built on, on, you know, mm-hmm. nearly 60 restaurants. So, you know, when we, when we try something new, the risk is certainly right. there, but, but we also have a stable brain behind us gotcha. that, that we can, we're able to take those risks. Um, but, you know, and I think the culmination is the, the payoff, so to speak, is, is, you know, creating something and then, and then going to a restaurant mm-hmm. and seeing people enjoy it, whether that be at, at society or at, right. or at rib crib. Um, it, it's just really cool seeing people enjoy something that, that you can, you know, all the, the yeah, time, yeah, thought yeah. and effort that's gone into it uh, behind the scenes and then, and then seeing the payoff of, of actually the, the, yeah. the community or the, the customer really enjoying the experience. Yeah. So, so being president CEO now, uh, I guess what I guess is your kind of like plan and vision is it to open up different concepts or just that kind of like to push now the, the society alongside that you know more and grow that or is it to do multiple like yeah, it, different concept meaning right. like pizza ice cream whatever yeah it's kind of multifaceted you know I think when I look at look at our the the assets of our company, obviously, you know, we're coming up on thirty years of Rib Crib and, mm-hmm. and the brand that we've created with Rib Crib and, and now society are certainly uh, assets. And then, so the question is, what do we do with those? And, and with Rib Crib, our growth strategy right now is is on franchising. We ju- yeah. in January we just opened uh, a new unit in Panama City, Florida, with a multi unit franchisee there. We signed yeah. another multi unit franchise agreement in Alabama and in the Mobile area. Um, and so we're, we're leaning into franchising, which is something we've done historically. We have, of, of our 55 rib cribs, 10 of them are franchise units. Okay. Um, so, so we understand the franchise or franchisee relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, the other growth is obviously multi-concept. We've done it with society. Uh, we're opening a taco concept in, in Tulsa in July. Okay. Hopefully we have, we're working on construction now. So that's, that's certainly uh, going to come. And then, and then from there, potential acquisition, because when I think about our, our assets, yeah. um, you know, we have a we have a group of people that have run restaurants for thirty years. You know, we happen to be running the brands we've created, but right. I also think we can add value to to other brands as well. Gotcha. And so, growth via potential acquisition is, is certainly on the table too. And the, and so those together kind of make up our long term growth strategy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, super exciting, right? Because you're diving into different avenues and and spreading the rib crew name across the nation. I mean, Florida's big. Obviously, Alabama's awesome. And you know, just it's it's just moving in the right direction and and I'm sure you know you've navigated the pandemic and all that nonsense that had to happen and just I mean I can't imagine how stressful that was being a, a business owner and a CEO and like you know like I mean you got so many mouths to take care of right I mean not not no pun intended but like you have families of you know servers I mean that's that's a giant there's a lot around a lot of stress to deal with right yeah. like <laughs> you know and you got to deal with 
to just looking at finances and thinking, wow, I mean, are we going to be able to open anytime soon? You know, and I guess we can touch a little bit on that. Was you know, what was your, I guess, how did you, how was that transition for you, like to go into online more and take out more and, I mean, what's that like? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the pandemic uh, could and probably should be, uh, you know, its own podcast because right, yeah. it's, just, it's just so <laughs> complex and and the the mix the range of emotions in the last you know twelve to fourteen months has just been. Has just been crazy. Um, but how I would summarize it is, you know, going into the pandemic, we had nearly 2,000 employees, and then kind of let's pick a date, March 20th. Yeah. You know, when when sales are are literally you know 40 percent, which I say 40 percent, that's it's yeah. actually not bad compared to a lot of other restaurants. You know, we had 40 percent sales, and we're sitting here going, well, what? A, okay, I don't I don't yeah. know this business model. You know, so. Clearly, we had to we had to cut staff. You know, we had to we had to cut uh, salaries, and, and it was just pure survival mode, uh-huh. almost in an instant, because you, you didn't know what the end looked like. You right. know, is this is this what our reality is for six months? If so, then how do we how do we operate under this reality? And yeah, I think that was the biggest uh, unknown, kind of at the at the bottom, was just how long is this going to last? Yeah, and, and you had to assume it wasn't going to be quick. Otherwise, you know, you you won't right. survive. Um, and, and sure enough, I think I think you know again, kind of summarizing last year, we benefited from the fact that that we're barbecue, uh-huh. right? Uh, people are very familiar and used to to taking us, you know, as a takeout, yeah. as a takeout food, and and that's really what I would say uh, helped us thrive through 2020 was the fact that our takeout business was so strong going in the into the pandemic. Gotcha. In addition to that, we had already put several uh, wheels in motion in terms of transforming our technology mm-hmm. uh, partnering with with uh, third-party delivery companies was already in motion uh, in improving and enhancing our online ordering experience was already in motion um, adding a loyalty program and improving our app was already in motion and yeah. so you know clearly as it did for many when 2020 happened it just accelerated each of those uh, projects and basically made us go okay we got to go now uh, yeah. because this is what we need to do to survive 2020 and and also what we need to do to make sure we survive long term and that's right. that's obviously enhance our, our yeah. technology and, and our digital experience uh, as they call it so um you know, we partnered with Thanks. We partnered with Olo. You know, these are obviously uh, restaurant-specific companies, but mm-hmm. but um, again, those those partnerships have helped transform our business to to create a better experience for the customer. Right. And, and obviously, uh, kind of as we as we talked about earlier, how do we create an experience worth coming back for? And and, and certainly, technology yeah. uh, plays a huge part in that in this day and age. Yeah, I guess you probably drew from your team experiences growing up as a kid and, and through the NFL, right? When you're running a company, like like you mentioned earlier, you know, you're trying to bring it into businesses as, as best as you can. When you have moments of chaos, there are no better opportunities to bring the team together and build a better team bond and relationship with management, stores, whatever it is. Like That must have been kind of fun to, like, hang on, like, we've been in chaotic moments on the field or whatever, Like, let's see if we can transition the same plan into building and surviving as a business yeah you know I, I think you're you're wise to point that out because i don't think it's something i would have necessarily recognized or or, or been able to to put a finger on had we not gone through 2020 but mm-hmm. but you know 
there almost feel some guilt in saying this, but in some ways I feel fortunate to be in the position that I was in. You know, obviously I'm not happy the pandemic happened. Of course, yeah. But given the pandemic happened, I feel fortunate that I was in my my seat as a CEO leading a company. And I think uh, to your point, you know, having been in stressful situations, having been, having watching, having watched coaches handle stressful situations, mm-hmm. you know, I think, uh, meaning specifically, you know, being in a, in a football game and, and having a 300 pound guy lined up against you, that's a stressful situation. <laughs> yeah. And I think you, you have to, you have to learn to kind of, you know, understand that, that there's only so much you can control that, right. that by panicking, you know, that's not going to help anything. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward to, to 2020. Obviously, I find myself leading a leading a, a big company, and, and you know, people looking at me, relying on me to yeah. kind of be the voice of reason, to to stay calm, to lead the way. And I think all those things I had experienced in sports, all those things I had watched uh, my coaches do, both good and bad, right. kind of came to this moment in 2020 where it was like, all right, all eyes yeah. on you. Here's your chance as a young CEO to kind of lead us through this. And, yeah. and you know, I, I, I feel fortunate to where we are uh, after 2020. And I also feel fortunate for the team that was around me right. uh, during 2020, because um, as much as there were eyes on me, you know, certainly I relied heavily on, on my teammates. Uh, yeah. You know, using, well, yeah. Cause using. you're drawing from, like you said, you've only been in the business restaurant business, for like four years or three years at that point. Yeah. Like you're drawing from, you know, you, you're doing what all great leaders do and finding better help, right? Like if yeah. I don't know this answer, I'm going to find the best person that does. Um, and, you know, you mentioned staying calm. I mean, you you were coached under Bill Belichick. He's one of the most yeah. stoic people ever, right? Yeah. It's like, we'll just figure it out. Like, it's, it's, everything's under control. Yeah. You know, there's, no one knows what's going on by in his head. And it's, exactly. You know, it's like the iceberg. And, but he, you know, he like, seems so unfazed. Right, I yeah. Mean, in every moment. So yeah. awesome. So I guess finishing up then, um, what are the things, I guess, that you draw from um, – in your time in the NFL, like you mentioned, under great leadership and bad leadership, you know, you see the good and the bad things that coaches do. What are the things, I guess, that you really draw from now as a leader in your kind of personal being the president and CEO? Well, I, I think something I, that comes back to me is, is the fact that, you know, respect has to be earned. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I had I had coaches who had earned respect and, and therefore coach that way. I had others who had not earned respect, but just felt like because they were coach, you had to respect them. Right. And I think that's a that's a huge failure in management is to assume just because your title yeah. says X, Y, Z means that you should be respected. And I yeah. think um, that's, that's one approach I try to take in, in my role is to assume, mm-hmm. you know, hey, I need to earn our team's respect. I can't just say, I'm the president, I'm the CEO. It's my way or the highway. It's yeah. my way or the highway. Um, and, and really that that comes from you know I'm not going to name names but that comes from direct experiences with specific mm-hmm. coaches where I where I said yeah. man he he failed in that instance because uh, he, he just thought he he should be respected and that's right. just you know human nature whether it be sports business mm-hmm. uh, or, or, or other situations that's just not how it works yeah yeah it's uh, I, I mean I don't really think I've had that many situations myself but I do see it uh in my great friend of mine who's a golf coach now and you know the stuff that he's learning and same thing that you did right you ask help and you ask for advice and you just build on that and that's one thing I think that I think people might struggle with too is being humble enough to ask for help right and ask for advice yeah. when you you know when you've got a title that says CEO and everyone's looking at you to think this guy should know everything you're like oh hang on a second 
this guy who's been doing this for 50, 40 years has way more experience than me. Let's go figure out, you know, it's, you pick the brain of someone, don't you? Yeah. And that's something that I think all, all great leaders do is, they, is they're not scared to ask for outside help and advice. And, you know, you build a council of people that, you know, these let's come together and let's make a collective decision. Oh, you know, you draw from that. Okay, you might make the end decision, but you've drawn from a panel of people that, you know, you value their opinion. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on there. And, and you know, something that, that resonates with me or that, that I think about is, you know, when our when our chairman just a few years ago came to me and said, uh, you know, are you, do, you, do you think you're ready to be president? My answer was yes, but my answer yeah. was yes because these are the, this is my team. I got a foundation behind yeah, me. Yeah, this is my team. I mean, our, our um, you know, the, the, the three guys right under me, you know, cumulatively have nearly 90 years of, of mm-hmm. restaurant experience. And, and with that team, that's yeah. why, why I and, and our team as a whole is able to succeed. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess, I mean, you know, exciting times now that, you know, we're seeing the back of the pandemic and, and people are comfortable going outside, you know, they've had their shots or whatever, they're coming in, there's no mass mandate now. Um, you know, I'm sure it's exciting to, to go with what you mentioned, you know, a new taco place opening up, Society Burger is going to be opening up and, and building the brand as the franchise that already is Rib Crib. It's going to be exciting next few years. Well, I'd, I'd like to think so. Yeah. It's, it's not, it, I think restaurants can be boring if, if you operate in a boring way, uh, but it, it's certainly not my intent to, to, to not yeah. go for more. Awesome. Yeah. Well, mate, I really appreciate you coming down. Uh, it means a lot to have you in here and to share your story, uh, you know, and, and of something that, like you said, you know, Rib Crib is a, is a, uh, it is a reflection of Oklahoma people, isn't it? That's, you know, it's, it is Oklahoma people that, that is running it clearly and, and everyone else that's in the stores. Um, so I really appreciate you coming down and sharing that story. Uh, for everyone listening, uh, I guess what would be the best way to get in touch, follow you, follow Rib Crib? Like what's the kind of social channels yeah. or websites? Yeah, ribcrib.com is our website. Mm-hmm. Obviously from there you can find all our, our all our social media platforms. Um, you know, we, we've got, you put me on the spot. I wish I could tell you how many, <laughs> how many yeah. locations in Oklahoma we have, but, but if, if, you're in Oklahoma. Uh, you can find one within within 30 minutes. Yeah. Uh, that would be my guess. Uh, we're all over the state. Uh, you know, proud, like you said, proud to be uh, as a company. You know, started in Tulsa in kind of Oklahoma through and through. Um, and then obviously in, in Tulsa, we've got two locations for Society Burger and in a, fo- in a, uh, a taco concept coming uh, later this summer to be on the lookout for. Yeah, awesome. Well, mate, again, thanks for coming down. Uh, for everyone listening, I'll post the links to the website and stuff down in the description. And yeah, we'll catch you next episode. Cheers. This podcast is presented by the Oklahoma Hall of Fame, telling Oklahoma's story through its people since 1927. For more information on the Hall of Fame, go to www.oklahomahof.com and follow them on Instagram for daily updates at oklahomahof. Also, huge shout out to RCB Bank for jumping on board to be a sponsor. RCB Bank's loan promotion is here for a limited time. Head into any of their 40 Oklahoma locations to get as low as 1.79 APR on your next car, boat, camper, or ATV. Apply online at rcbbank.com. RCB Bank, that's my bank. Rate and finance with approved credit. Restrictions apply. Member FDIC. Huge shout out to my sponsors. Uh, Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening. We are inspired by those around us and hope that you are too. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review so we can keep telling your stories. For more great Oklahoma content, follow This Is Oklahoma on Facebook and Instagram.